welcome to another powerful message recorded live at Christ Encounter Ministries in Longobon. We trust that you'll be truly encouraged and blessed by this message. So welcome to all of those listening by audio message and watching, watching, are you watching? <laughs> watching my live stream. Man, we should really pre-record these things. This live streaming is a dodgy business, I'll tell you what. Anyways, take two. Welcome everybody. Uh, really excited to, to have this, this privilege. And not only a privilege, but a great responsibility to teach you the word today. Today I'm teaching on a very, very relevant and powerful subject titled, Why Are Things Just Not Working Out? And this is a two-part series, and today we've got, good, we've got good news and bad news. Today is kind of the bad news. Next week is going to be really, really powerful, and it's going to bless you guys. But today I'm going to be teaching on some massive deceptions that has entered into the church environment, and probably many of you listening today, so you have to listen very carefully, and we're going to trust in the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher, to teach us. So can we all just bow our heads and get into faith and, and just surrender to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to teach you? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this incredible privilege, but an extremely weighty responsibility that I have to teach your children, not my word, but your word. Father, I know where I was when I found you. I was nothing. I cannot claim any glory for anything that's accomplished because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't even be alive. So everything that is accomplished, Lord God, I give you glory. I'm not equipped or intelligent enough to make this stuff up. This is your word for your children in season. And I surrender to you now, Holy Spirit. I bind everything in me that will try to steal your glory. Any spirit of pride, any spirit of self-promotion, self-agenda, even self-consciousness. I doubt to self, I become less. Spirit of the living God, you become more. Speak to your children according to Matthew 10 verse 20 right now in the name of Jesus. Family, and I'm going to ask all those present to work with me because there's going to be confessions that we're going to be speaking here. So if everybody can say, so I declare... I declare that my spiritual ears, my spiritual ears are, open. are open. My heart, my heart is, receptive is receptive to receive only that, to receive only that which you, Holy Spirit, which you Holy Spirit, are saying to me today. So, why are things just not working out? Now, I have asked God this question many, many, many times. Lord, why are things just not working out? I mean, I know the scriptures are true. I know that it's impossible for God to lie. I know that according to 3 John 1 verse 2 in the New King James Version says this. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. So we can see in that scripture, it's not only spiritual prosperity, but it's physical prosperity. It's financial prosperity, prosperity in business, prosperity in all things. And that scripture starts, we said, I pray 
that, in, that you may prosper. So this is the prayer that the Lord has for us. And you know, family, I don't know about you, but so often it feels like I'm really extremely prosperous, but prosperous in problems. I don't know if I'm speaking to the right crowd today. I don't know if there's anyone out there that can relate to me, or perhaps I'm just going to be preaching to myself today because the Lord knows I need this message. And in fact, this message that I'm going to be teaching you today is out of direct revelation. And next week, I received this revelation through various means, through personal circumstances, through supernatural confirmation of His Word. So I am confident that this is a Word of God for this season. So open your spiritual ears, let your heart be receptive, and let's hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. So family, there can be various reasons why we can find ourselves in this position where we feel that no progress is made. Or perhaps we feel in a position of being oppressed, where it feels like we're always on the back foot. And sometimes it feels like we're even going backwards. And I'm going to try by the leading of the Holy Spirit to bring light to this situation. But in order to do so, I will have to classify them in two distinct categories of people. They are mentioned by Jesus in Revelation 3 verse 16 in the New Living Translation. Jesus says this, I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, exclamation mark. But since you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. The correct translation says that I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now say this after me. Say, God is carefully watching. God is carefully watching. The things that you do. The things that you do. And He is determining. And He is determining. Your spiritual temperature. Your spiritual temperature. By the things that you do. By the things that you do. In this scripture, Jesus is talking, listen to this, to the church. He's talking directly to you. It is a message to you, child of God. And evidently, there are two classifications of people in the church. There are the hot or the cold Christians. Even the lukewarm Christians or the 50-50 Christians fall in the category of cold Christians. Jesus uh, continues to confirm that he doesn't have any tolerance for lukewarm Christians who evidently make Jesus not just to the point that he would vomit them out of his mouth. Wow. So clearly, with that analogy of Jesus, do you think, listen carefully, do you think that a cold or a lukewarm Christian would qualify for the blessings? Would everything work out for a cold or a lukewarm Christian? No, of course not. Now, right now, some people might say, no, hang on, this doctrine is wrong. This pastor is preaching the wrong doctrine because the grace of God is available for cold and lukewarm Christians. And the blessings are also available for the cold and lukewarm Christians. And yes, you are 100% right. But the grace of God is freely available to anyone, 
and everyone, but listen to me, it is conditional. There are qualifying factors that gives you access to what is really yours. Now, a lot of you are like saying, no, hang on a second. He was at the edge, now he stepped over the edge. Because in your opinion of grace is, I'm going to say twisted, and I'm going to show you now. So, we're going to look at the greatest gift of grace ever expressed from God. We're going to work from the highest point, then we're going to work backwards. And the greatest gift of grace and mercy was expressed through the forgiveness of all of mankind's sin through the cross, right? Do you agree with that statement? And according to Jesus, everyone has been forgiven. And everyone has free access to heaven. Free access to the blessings. It is the greatest free gift of grace, right? But didn't Jesus say in Matthew 7 verse 13, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to heck or hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many. And that word many in the Greek is the word polos, where we get the word plural, which means the majority of people who, listen to this, choose that way. Let that saturate for a while. And then he continues to say, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. What life is he talking about? Eternal life. And only a few, and that word few is the word oligios, ever find it. Wow, that's the words of Jesus Christ. That word oligos actually means puny. So Jesus is saying, even though he's died, he's made it freely available, the greatest gift of grace, it's all available for you, but it's conditional. Because how many of you know that there are billions of people on their way to hell? So you tell me, is grace conditional or not? Say this after me. The grace and the blessings of God... Grace and the blessings of God are freely available, are freely available. But, conditional. but conditional. Family, there is a perverted, which means twisted, but tremendously popular and extremely dangerous doctrine that is inspired by Satan himself and demons that is saying that it is okay to sin. And many people latch onto that because they say it makes them feel more free. It gives them more freedom. I don't know how many of you have heard that. And then I ask myself, freedom for what? Freedom to sin, of course. Galatians 5 verse 13 says this. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and my sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sin. Or your sinful nature. Amen. So, say this, family. Don't use, Don't use your, freedom your freedom as an excuse to sin. As an excuse to sin. Amen. So, family, in the book of Timothy now, Paul talks about the end times. And he says this, listen, 
And, and Jesus also spoke about in Matthew 24, the first sign of the end times is deception. Great deception. He says, many that come in the name of the Lord, they say, I am the Christ. That's not saying, I am Jesus Christ. He's saying, I am the anointed. I am a preacher. I have a revelatory word. And Paul talks about this. He says, in the end times, there will be preachers teaching doctrines that are inspired by demons that will cause people to sin, thinking that there are no consequences. They preach that the Bible doesn't really say what has been preached for the last 2,000 years. Saying that now, through their new revelations, that the Bible or the Word of God, listen to this, doesn't really say it's wrong to sin. Because now in the last decade, some preachers are saying that it's okay. Or it's acceptable to sin. Which sounds very similar to the original deception of Satan that we can read in Genesis 3. Satan says this to Adam and Eve. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Does the Bible really say you mustn't sin? Does that sound familiar? But you see, when Satan said this, he was already twisting the word of God, like many of these preachers do, because God did not say that. In Genesis 2 verse 16, God says, You may freely eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. So what was God saying? He was saying, Adam and Eve, you have free will. Free to make your own choices. You're free to eat of any tree, any fruit in the garden. It is your choice, Adam. But do not sin. Do not disobey me. If you disobey me, you will surely die. Adam, if you disobey me, there's consequences. But you have free will. Say this. Say, I have free will. Free will. I am responsible for my own decisions. For my own decisions. Romans 6 verse 23 says this. For the wages, which is payment, the recompense, the remuneration of sin is death. Now say this. Disobeying the Bible. Disobeying the Bible. Or the word of God. Or the word of God. Is directly disobeying God. Is directly disobeying God. And is sin. And is sin. Now say this. Unrepented sin. Unrepented sin. Leads to death. Leads to death. Amen. Now, family, Satan continues to say this in verse 4. He says, Eve, you're not going to die. You will certainly not die, the serpent says the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. Listen to this. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You won't die if you sin. It's not so bad. Get to the time. Or how about this one? Have you maybe heard this one? You only live once. Which is the biggest lie ever. Because you will live for all eternity. And with the only live once attitude, you will regret your actions for all eternity in hell. Now let's relook at that scripture in verse 4 and just break it down. He says this. When you eat from it, 
your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Okay? Knowing good and evil. What does this mean? Satan is saying this. Now you've got to track with me. He says this. You will be like God. You will be your own God. You don't need God to tell you what is right or wrong. You determine the difference between good and evil. Don't listen to what the Bible is saying. You make up your own mind. Don't let Jesus be your Lord. Be your own Lord. Live free. God is a loving God and grace covers it. And a loving God won't send you to hell. And you know, family, that last statement is correct. Because God doesn't send you there. You choose to go there through your disobedience and the consequences as hell. Didn't Jesus say that they chose the way? That they, you choose the narrow road or the wide road and those who choose the, the wide road leads to destruction? It's your choice, family. In the end of the day, it's got nothing to do with God. He gives us all the instructions, which is actually for your own good, and then it's up to us. Now, this false doctrine of this grace covering has been fueled by many scriptures. Like Romans 6 verse 14. I'm sure many of you have heard this. It says, For sin shall no longer be your master. Now listen to this one. Because you're not under the law, but under grace. Now, you know what? I have heard that scripture quoted so many times. But now listen to me. I've only heard that quoted by sinful people trying to justify their sinful lives using that scriptures and others as a license to sin. Amen? Is that not the truth? I've never heard an on-fire Christian serving the Lord with all their heart having to say that. Not under law, under grace. That's a cop-out. Amen? And this is being preached, and I'm telling you straight up, because someone has to be the watchman. Someone has to call this out. But there are popular preachers like Joseph Prince, Creflo Dollar, saying, you know what, just carry on, just carry on sinning. Doesn't matter, you, you, you're covered by grace. But does that scripture really mean that? Does that scripture mean that we can sin without consequences? Does it mean that grace covers it or makes it okay? Maybe we should read the next line. Does that sound like a good idea? Maybe we should see what the entire scripture says and not take it out of context. And it says this as we read in Romans 6 verse... Okay, I'm way behind here. For those of you who are watching the screen. Okay. He says this. This is the very next line. Okay? I'm going to save some of you here. He says this. Paul says, he's just said, you're not under law, you're under grace. What then? Shall we sin... Because we are not under the law, but under grace, by no means, exclamation mark. I looked up that by no means. you know what it means? It said, listen, God forbid, not even an iota, not even a little bit, not even one little bit must you sin. The scripture says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey. If you obey the sin, sin mindset, you are a slave. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. The next scripture, uh, the next verse, verse 18 says, You have been set free from sin 
and you have become slaves to righteousness. Family, straight after the part where people use that scripture as a license to sin, Paul says, listen, by no means should we sin. And he continues to say that we should be slaves to righteousness because if we are slaves to sin, we will die. That means the slaves to righteousness means you need to be a complete servant, even in bondage. Not to sin, but in righteousness, abstaining from sin. Now say this after me. The evidence of grace is not a sinner using grace to continue sinning. The evidence of grace is a sinner having the God-given ability not to continue sinning. Amen? 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 says this. The Spirit clearly says, there's no questions. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit clearly says that in the last days, the latter days, that some will abandon the faith and they will follow. What will they follow? Deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Wow. What is Paul the Apostle talking about? He's saying in the end times there's going to be falling away from the faith. Why? Because it's going to be taught by demonically inspired teaching and preachers causing people to abandon the true faith. Now listen to this. The true faith is galvanized by repentance for sin. This is so important. You must never forget that. This doctrine of demons teaches people that they can sin without remorse or without repentance. We should feel free to sin. That's what they're teaching. We shouldn't feel a deep conviction that we have done something wrong. Family, when we sin, we need to feel a godly sorrow. If we carry on life thinking we can sin without consequences, there's no motivation for us to steer clear from sin and repent, which leads, listen to me, leads to salvation. That means being saved. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. Couldn't be any clearer than that. Now say this. Salvation isn't isn't a one-time deal. deal. It's a journey. journey. Amen? But nowadays, or these last days, these demonically inspired teachers are saying, listen to what they're saying. They're saying that the conviction of the Holy Spirit that is bringing you godly sorrow when you sin is condemnation. That's what they're saying. They're saying ignore that. Ignore the conviction. Ignore the Holy Spirit trying to help you because they say this. Romans 8 verse 1. They say this. Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many of you heard that scripture? But hang on now. That scripture says that there's no condemnation for those in Christ. 
What does that mean to be in Christ? 1 John 2 verse 6. Whoever, say that's me. Look at your neighbor, say that's you. Now say, say everybody listening. Everybody listening. Everybody watching. Everybody watching. That's you. That's you. Okay. So everyone who claims to live in him, for there's no condemnation for those in him, must live like Jesus did. Did Jesus live a sinful life? No. He lived a completely sinless life. So obviously, if you are living in Christ and you are abstaining from sin, then you are blameless and there's nothing to condemn you, right? So there is no condemnation for those in Christ. Amen. We can rephrase that scripture. Say it like this. There is no condemnation for those living like Jesus did. Amen. So family, another popular sin justification. Now family, I'm trying to help you here, family. I'm trying to help you here. You want to know why things are not working out? You need to have your brain washed with the word of God. And by the way, that is scripture. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. Scripture says this. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, remember, live like he did, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, this is taught that when you sin and you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that God is sorrow that is telling you that it's wrong. They teach that it's condemnation, so ignore it. No need to repent. Listen carefully to those teachers. They say, don't repent. Don't feel bad. Be free. Because you are the righteousness of God. Which is twisted. Because that's nothing more than self-righteousness. You are righteous in self. So no need to repent or depend upon God's grace and mercy. Just carry on sinning and saying how self-righteous you are. You keep sinning and saying, no, 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 I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the righteousness of God. Carry on sinning. Don't repent. Don't turn to God. Everything will be okay. No, it won't. Family, you will sin your way to hell. Only with a good attitude thinking that everything's okay, and when you get there, the scripture says there's a way that seems right, but leads to destruction. It's a massive deception, family. If you continue in a life of sin, and ignore the Holy Spirit conviction of sin, saying it's not okay, scripture says that you will silence the voice of your conviction, and your conscience gets seared. Or burns. It's like getting a, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's an actual fact, being desensitized. It's like you would take a hot plate and you would take a steak and you would burn it and you would seal it like with a hot plate. And in the same way, the voice of the Holy Spirit through you searing your conscience will be silenced. 1 Timothy 4 verse 2 says this. Such teachings, what teachings? Doctrines of demons. Come through hypocritical liars. Who's the father of lies? Satan. Whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. Amen. Then after a while, you sin, you carry on, and then you start feeling free, which is the gospel of the heart of grace. 
You feel free to sin. Because the Holy Spirit has left you to your perverted and reprobate mind. And you have effectually made up your own mind. That you don't want to listen to God any longer. You would rather continue sinning. Then it's okay to fornicate. It's okay to swear. It's okay to get in adultery. This is all okay. And you feel fine about it. In the beginning it was something that really concerned you. Now, the Holy Spirit has just left you. You've made up your mind. He's tried. He's He's convicted you. He's tried to help you. He's tried to save you. You have chosen the wide path of destruction. Romans 1 verse 28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. They did not think it worthwhile to follow the scriptures, to retain the knowledge of God. So God gave them over to their depraved mind. Their conscience was seared so that they could just do what they should not be doing. Family, listen very carefully to me. Anyone that preaches it's okay to sin or it's acceptable to sin and live immoral lives because grace makes it okay. They are wicked. They are ungodly people inspired by demons and they are condemned unless they repent. And if you follow them, you too will be condemned. Can I back that up with scripture? Do my best. Jude 1 verse 4. Listen carefully. If this does not completely abolish this hyper grace nonsense, then I don't know what will. He says this. I say this because some ungodly, that word ungodly means wicked and disrespectful people to God and the truth. People have wormed their way into the churches. Wow. Into the churches. What are they doing? What are these wicked people doing? They are saying that God's marvelous, wonderful, stunning grace allows us to live immoral, sinful lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. If that does not put that to bed, then I don't know what is in family. We can talk on this subject. I can show you scripture after scripture after scripture. The Bible says this, Ephesians 5 verse 27, this is the truth. And present her, who? The church, you, to himself as a glorious church, without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. He's not talking about get Botox, get fillers, get this. This is talking about spots, wrinkles, blemishes of sin. Instead, she will be what? Holy. And without fault. Family, God sees His church. He sees you, listen to me, as His precious bride. His fiance. The one who He rescued like any good husband with, with His very own life. Dying for her. Taking her full punishment in the most excruciating ways that we will never understand. Why? So that He could rescue His church. So that she could be set free. And he expects his bride to be loyal and committed to him. Wouldn't you? I don't think that's too much to ask. Do you? Now consider this. If you had a fiancé, listen carefully, who was sleeping around with your worst enemy. Just let that statement saturate for all. Would you want to bless her? 
Would you want to buy her the new car? Would you want to give her the money for shopping? Absolutely not. You know, if you were a, if you were a real spiritual person, you would love her. But you'd be extremely hurt. You'd be extremely disappointed. And the relationship would be hindered. It would be blocked. It would be uh, not right. It wouldn't be right, a right relationship because of the sins that was committed. But if, if your fiancé realized, realized that she was corrupted by the devil, if she realized that she'd made mistakes, that she was truly sorry, and she came repenting to you and said that she was sorry, willing to commit, then you would forgive her. And then the blessings would be available to her. It's the same with God. James 4 verse 4. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Wow. What does that mean? Scripture says this in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. Satan, the God of this world, he has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. So Satan is controlling the world system. You've got to get this. And he's doing this through various ways, including media, which is so evident. Just look at the movies and the TV of today, which is the greatest instrument available to desensitize, to brainwash, and indoctrinate people. Hear what I'm saying? And this is not just a statement I'm making. This is well known. The CIA studied this and used this. The world superpowers and the dictators in the world extensively use this. Because you can only get a perception of reality and faith surrounding what you believe by what you are being fed. I'm going to give you a quick example. Think about this. How many of you have maybe booked a holiday somewhere? You looked online and thought, wow, that looks so cool. And everything looks amazing and everything looks wonderful. And when you're looking at this information... Based upon what you are being fed, you create a perception, you create a belief, you create a reality and a faith based upon what information that you are fed. But the true reality is often very different. Because we've been there where sometimes we get to this place, we think, how did they get these pictures? How did they take these pictures? And what you perceived... You were deceived by the information you received. I never planned it that way. It sounds pretty cool. Anyways. And so many people have opinions and perceptions and ideologies. Listen, family. Many people have opinions, perceptions, ideologies, full belief that is based upon lies, it's based upon deceit, it's based upon fake news, traditions and religions. And we become these puppets to these very powerful tools used extremely effectively by Satan to create deceptive belief systems. Take, for example, ISIS family. They indoctrinate the young kids through all the videos that they show them, the information that they give them. And then these little kids 
in the name of God. And these people are not stupid people. They're intelligent. They're doctors and engineers and super intelligent people. But through this vehicle of Satan, they have been completely led astray and they have this 100% faith belief system that if they murder as many people, that they will go to heaven. Now family, I'm going to take you deep. Now listen to this. Listen to this carefully. We as people and parents, we would never invite criminals and murderers into our home, would we? Think about this. Would we invite a couple to come and visit? Let's say, for instance, we knew that there was a couple that was having an affair. They were committing adultery, open about it. And we invite them and they come to visit and then they sit on our couches. And then they start getting intimate with each other. They get very sexual on our couches while we're sitting there with our kids watching them. Would you allow that? How about allowing people who are very steeped in witchcraft? And you invite, would you invite them into your homes and you can sit and watch how they perform all these magic spells and, and you see all of these occultic signs which are very, very real, family, on your screen? Would you do that? But you do. You do this daily by allowing this through your televisions and allowing these people who you would never allow into your homes to homeschool your children and desensitize them and blurring the boundaries between good and evil. Now with our kids growing up, what was once taboo and what was once evil is now good. And what is good is now evil. You can't use the name of Jesus. You can't pray. But now, homosexual marriage is okay. I've got nothing against homosexuals. I love them. But we have to stick with the word of God, family. Ephesians 4 verse, 5 verse 4 says this. The heading says this. Children of light. Are you children of light? Let's read. But among you there must not be even a hint. Did you get that? Not even a hint of sexual immorality. Does that include fornication? Does that include pornography? I think so. Or sexual immorality. Not even a hint. Or of any kind of impurity. Or even of greed. I think you can put the non-tithers in there. Because these are improper for God's holy people. You see, I can preach like that because I don't need your tithes. But I will preach the truth to you. I'm not afraid to preach the truth. You see, because this is improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity. Nor should there be foolish talk or coarse joking. Which are all out of place. But rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. Listen. For of this... You can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater serving the devil, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. It says this, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins by grace. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Wow. That scripture says we shouldn't even have a hint of sexual immorality, or impurity, or greed. The scripture says it's even shameful to talk about these things, but yet 
We gorge ourselves on this on TV and Netflix. With sexual perversions, immorality, witchcraft, gossip, scandalized, and even blasphemy. Using your Lord name in vain. And then you think that you will be blessed. But the scripture says that the anger of God will fall upon us. As we befriend this evil and this ungodly world system tool used by Satan. Never mind thinking that somehow we are going to enjoy the blessings of God. Family, all the true men and women of God that I know personally, who function in powerful manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and who are abundantly prosperous, financially, physically, and spiritually, yes, they have problems, but generally they are abundantly blessed. They live lives totally committed to God. They're not 50-50 Christians. They are hot Christians. And I can personally testify to this, that as I move deeper into the call of God and His plans, He is constantly drawing me deeper. He is constantly pulling, I'm praying more, I'm more desperate, I'm consistently, He's drawing me more and more and more. Every year I'm growing in spiritual ways. And if you are not growing, then you are backsliding. Because God moves from glory to glory. And if you are not moving with Him, then you are going backwards. Hebrews 6 verse 12, I'm coming to a close. Do not become spiritually lazy. Wow. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit inherit what has been promised. Do you see that there, family? Say this. So I must imitate imitate the example example of hot Christians. Of hot Christians. If I want to inherit the blessings, if I want to inherit the blessings, I have to imitate imitate them. Now all the hot Christians must say this. Say this. If you want what I got, if you want what I got, then do what I do. Then do what I do. Amen. What you put in is what you put out, family. Family, listen to me. God is the source of all blessings. And the closer you get to Him in a sustained relationship with Him, the more time you spend with Him, the more time you are spending with He that blesses. And the blessings become unwrapped to you. And listen, you can say what you want, but it's true. Because for any relationship to be healthy, you need to work on it. It's not works, it's obedience. You need to put in effort. You need to work on your relationship. You're not trying to earn righteousness. You're working on a relationship and you're being obedient. It's completely different. So family, if you feel like things are are not quite working out for you, then perhaps you might be in this category. Perhaps today you, you, you are a cold or a lukewarm Christian and things are just not working out. Then perhaps it's time for you to make a sincere commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps it's time to start changing your decisions. Changing the people that you hang out with. Stop losing some bad relationships. Don't hang out in places that you shouldn't hang out in. I'm sure there's some things that you need to maybe stop watching. And family, and put everything that's been holding you back behind you. And make a firm commitment to serve Jesus Christ completely. Not lukewarm, but completely on fire. Sold out for Jesus and loyal to Him. Like a loyal bride. Like a loyal fiancé. Not an adulterer sleeping with the enemy. Family, I know what I'm talking about. No one can preach the, 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 the grace gospel to me. I was a 15-year drug addict. 
addicted to things I don't even want to mention. There was none as bad as me. I understand the grace of God. And you need to be disciplined. If someone had said to me, you know what, just love God and you won't want to sin anymore. I was steeped in sin. The Bible says that your, your spirit is an enmity with your flesh. Those preachers are teaching that. They've never experienced a life of sin. It wasn't that complacent attitude that got me where I was. It was knowing that there were consequences to pain. So family, as we end this service, if this is you, I want to pray for you. There's something that I learned. God is a gracious God. You repent from your sins. You ask for forgiveness. He is faithful and true. Immediately He forgives you for your sin. Immediately He washes you clean. It's such a beautiful thing. If it wasn't for that, I would have been messed up. Because listen, coming from 15 years, drug addiction and that, it wasn't an easy road. So family, the Bible says, the Lord says that He will not reject anyone that comes to Him. And Jesus said when He spoke to Nicodemus, which is the church, he says that none will come in, will, will see heaven unless they're born again. That's the words of Jesus. How do we get born again? Make a commitment to serve Jesus. Look, don't worry about the journey. Make a commitment. You're going to fall. You're going to mess up. Just repent. Just keep pushing. Start making some good decisions. And how do we do that? Romans 10 says, And if you declare with your mouth, what? Jesus is Lord. That's the first step. You have to say it. Second step is believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. That's easy. Because you know secular history, not Christian history, secular history talks about Jesus rising from the grave. Listen, if he never rose from the grave, then why did his disciples go out into all the world, Russia, India, all these places preaching that he had risen? Would they have done it if it was a lie? Absolutely not. And they died the most gruesome deaths for them. There's no doubt that Jesus rose. So all you need to do is make Him your Lord. Make Him your Savior. Maybe you've strayed. Maybe you're a Christian and you've just been a lukewarm Christian. Maybe you're a 50-50 Christian. Repent. Just repent. Just push the reset button. Get yourself right with God. So if that's you, family, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. But I'm going to ask everybody that is here present, all five of them, to pray <laughs> so family let's just get real with God for a moment if you're serious about God he's serious about you and in this moment he can meet with you he can wash away all your sins he can restore you the Bible says he makes you brand new white as snow wow I'm so grateful for that I'm so grateful that all my sins are washed away that person's dead that can be you today. Fresh stop, brand new beginning. So pray this after me. Close your eyes and pray this to God. Say, Father, today I make a commitment to give my life to you. I declare Jesus Christ. I make you my Lord. I make you my Lord. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Come into my life. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Of all my sins. Of all my sins. Wash me. Wash me. With that precious blood. With that precious blood. As white as snow. As white as snow. I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm 
for messing up, for maybe being a lukewarm Christian. Today I make a decision to be a committed and loyal bride. Thank you, Jesus. I believe you died and rose again. And now I thank you that I am your precious Spotless, Spotless. No, wrinkle. no wrinkle, bride, bride. Ready, for you. ready for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Family, if you've prayed that prayer in my faith, you are saved. But remember, it's a journey, family. We invite you guys to be at church next weekend. It's going to be a special surprise for you. And it's been really, really wonderful spending this time with you, family. That's all for today. We love you guys. And from me and my entire precious, dedicated team who loves you too, that's it for today. Take care. God bless and goodbye. We trust that you are truly blessed and encouraged by this message. If you would like to find out more about Christ Encounter Ministries in Longabon, please feel free to check out our website at ChristEncounter.co.za.